Oh, so good. Actually, in, uh, in the place where I'm from, <laughs> which I won't mention in the recording, yeah, we actually only do online now. And so this is my first time doing like offline, like with actual human beings, EMP in a long time. And so this is a lot more, you know, in the mornings, I'm just, everyone's screen is off and I'm just like not wearing pants and I'm just like doing it on the screen. Uh, morning. Good morning, Simon. Cool. Okay. Well, why don't we start then? Um, uh, today we're going to go through the book of Mark, chapter 6. Oh, cool. Yeah. Mark chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse 45. Did I say 45? Yes. 40, no, 30 to 44. Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 44. Um, why don't we do this? Um, do you guys have your Bibles with you? Great. Let's do this. Oh? Yeah, but let's, let's do this. I like to do this. I mean, PMAC can, you can scroll at the speed of, but you don't have to scroll either. But, um, you know, one of the things I like to do before we start is just for us each individually to spend a little bit of time digesting the passage. And, um, you know, I think whatever, whatever message that I could speak uh, or even all the different things we could say about the passage, I think there's something that God often wants to speak to us through the passage this morning individually. And so just as we read through it, I just want to invite all of us to begin inviting Holy Spirit to speak to us as we read. Um, you know, this is not just about engaging our minds with the Word of God, but it's really about engaging our spirits and allowing Holy Spirit to guide us in meditation. Um, and so just read it through it once while, as you invite Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning, inviting Him to just come and say, God, would you just highlight to me would you place a verse on my heart? Would you show me what I need to see? Would you just speak to me through, that I would hear your voice through the word? And, um, and if he does highlight a verse or he does highlight something and it sort of brings something up, just pray. Just begin praying into that and just inviting him to, to speak deeper.
do this let me just give you guys a few, just a few minutes just to share with the person next to you closest to you just maybe what that verse was and just very shortly like why it was why you felt like what you felt like God was speaking through that verse and or and if you didn't really feel something just maybe something you felt like highlighted something that God highlighted so let's let's just share very quickly with the person next to us and we'll come back in a few minutes right now Give everyone another two minutes, two minutes.
awesome. Um, yeah. Anyone want to, anyone heard something really powerful and you're like, I want to nominate this person to share? <laughs> No pressure. Um, yeah. Well, why don't we start off with a word of prayer? Let me just pray for us this morning. Yeah. Father, I want to really thank you for this opportunity that we have as your children to come before you in your presence. Father, right now we just want to fix our eyes upon you. That this time is not about what we can receive. It's not about what I need or what I want to, what prayers that I need to answer. But really, Father, first and foremost of all, we're here to just honor you and worship you. To say that you're worthy of our time. You're worthy of our attention. We want to declare that you are the God over us, that you're the... You are the good Father who has gathered your children together. You're the one that has made everything possible for us in our individual lives, in our lives as a, as a corporate body, Father. It is because of you, it is in you, it is through you. And so we give you honor first. We give you thanksgiving and we say thank you, God, that of all the different ways we could have wasted our time, Father, we have an opportunity to come before you in the presence of the King. So come Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and minister to each and every one of us, as, even as we minister unto you, that you would fill each and every one of our hearts to the overflow. Father, in some ways that even the things that I would say would be irrelevant in the light of just your presence. But in that same way, Father, I ask that you would use, that you would speak through me and through all the different things that will happen today through each and every one of us as well, as we are the body that ministers to one another in ministry. Yeah. So once again, come Holy Spirit. Have your way in us this morning. And all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, if you've ever wondered what it's like to be a member of church staff, I think this passage is a good insight into what church staff looks like. Um, Jesus, out of nowhere, decides... We're going we're gonna to have a huge gathering, Christian conference, or this big event for thousands and thousands of people. You know, it says there were 5,000 men, which may have meant well over 10,000 women and children included. Um, huge event. I mean, this is the kind of thing that people plan months ahead for. And here you see Jesus like, let's just do it. You know, there are people here, they're in need, so let's just start preaching and they start gathering. And at a certain point, you know, the disciples, rightly so, as, a, as administrators, look and say, well, Jesus, we should start sending them away. The hour is late, it says, and this is a desolate place. Let, send them away into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy them so that they might buy themselves something to eat. Um, which is a very good piece of advice. This is what I've heard, you know, even from my own people that are on staff, and I've done this as well, too, like, P, whoever, and I'm not going to mention specific names, but pastor so-and-so, please, let's, we haven't planned for this. We need to think about the practicalities. But Jesus looks right at the disciples, and instead of going, oh, you're right, we should do that. He also does something that a lot of pastors do. He says, 
you, you do something about it. You give them something to eat. Um, but you know, it's really interesting. You know, you, you might look at this and go, well, the disciples are being very practical. But if you actually look at the context of what's happening in the beginning, it says in verse 30 that the apostles had returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. So if you remember what this is, is this is when Jesus began sending his disciples out two by two to go minister into different villages and to prepare the way for him to come. And so they have basically the essence of it is they've just come back from short-term missions. And if you can imagine for the disciples, it's quite nerve-wracking. It's one of their first trips. They're on their own without Jesus. And he's like, go heal the sick co-cast out demons and they're like, without you, Jesus? And so you can imagine their stress level is probably quite high. They were quite nervous, but they come back with this positive report. And then he says to them, just as they come back, good job, you know, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. And so this is Jesus saying, you know, you guys have been doing a real good job. Let's go and rest for a while. For they, it says, for many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And so this is the state of the disciples where they've just done this work of ministry, where they've been serving already, where finally they feel like, oh, even our master, he recognizes that it's okay for us to rest. Notice that he's, Jesus says, he doesn't say, let's go to a resort. He says, let me take you to a desolate place that you may find rest. You know, I, I thought this was always interesting that, you know, we always, we, we always think that Jesus will do something, that rest means something good, like a vacation or something great. But often if we find ourselves in a desolate place, in a place where it seems like everything is empty or I've lost things, you know, sometimes that actually does mean rest. But this is the sort of situation where Jesus is saying, okay, finally, you guys can rest now. You can come and rest. But in the midst of that desolate place, they're followed by the crowd. And Jesus... You know, this is a real picture into his heart. It says when he's, in verse 34, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. You know, for Jesus, it was never about a teaching ministry. It was never about public speaking. It was never about growing his just ministry as, a, as an organization. It was always about him looking at people. It's okay. Is that, a, is that another sermon? <laughs> um, but you know, it's never about that, right? It was always about him looking at people. He had a heart for people. It was always about him looking at people and going, man, this is what they need. You know, this is, um, th this is always a really good reminder for me. Sometimes I, I get into this place where ministry becomes all about, oh, like, okay, this is what we're supposed to do, responsibility, or this is my job, or oh, this, is, this is just something as Christians we're supposed to do. But it was never like that for Jesus. It was always very personal. He always would look at the people around him, and he would have this heart to minister to them, whether he was tired or not. I mean, I'm sure Jesus wanted rest as well, too. But in this moment, he begins to preach to them and minister to them, and all day long. And you can imagine the disciples are like, Jesus, I thought this was our retreat. I thought this was our rest period. You know, this desolate place, this is not supposed to be our a conference ground. This is supposed to be our, our personal retreat, our leader's retreat. And so when they come and they say to him, send them away and go into, that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. Basically what they're saying is, Jesus, we don't even have enough time to eat. We don't even have enough time to rest send them away like it's a it's not it's not a practical thing it's actually a very self-centered thing it's it comes from the self right this 
this moment where I feel like, Jesus, haven't we done enough? Jesus, haven't we sacrificed enough? Haven't we given enough effort? Haven't I put enough energy into serving people? Is it not our time? Can't they just, can't they go and figure it out for themselves? Isn't it our time right now? And to their complaint or whatever it is, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. To his disciples, it doesn't exactly mention whether this, most likely this is the 12 primarily. It could have been some of the 72. But whether, whatever it is, can you imagine this small group of disciples and Jesus saying to them, you feed the 10,000 that are before us. And obviously their response, they say, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And 200 denarii would have been something like maybe about a year's worth of salary. And so even then, you know, not only are the disciples thinking, man, we're already tired from ministering. We're already hungry from ourselves not eating. We're already having to accommodate these people from our retreat. But now they're saying, now we also have to give of our finances, Lord. We have to give an entire year's salary just so this group of people that have interrupted our time would be able to eat for just one meal. And so you can kind of understand this, this state of the disciples' heart. But I often find that this is sort of um, our heart, my heart, you know, when we come and serve Jesus. Jesus, I, I did this already. I already gave. I already gave my time. I already gave my effort. Jesus, I'm already here at EMP. Jesus, I've already served and done so many different things. And you know that, that, that one, that extra, that, that whatever that is, what, what's the phrase? Something that breaks the camel, the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's kind of like that, right? You know, I remember having a similar situation where I remember once I was doing ministry all day. It was like literally like morning to evening. I had meetings, I had, I had sermons. And I think I started the day at like seven in the morning, kind of like today, and ended the day at maybe, I think it was like seven or 8 p.m. And you know, in that moment, you're just like, I'm just ready. I'm just ready to go home. I have, I've got, I've got my, sh my TV show ready. I know exactly what I'm going to watch when I go home. I know what movie I'm going to vegetate to. I don't want to talk to anybody. And just as you're about to leave, somebody says, Pastor, can I just have a conversation with you? There's something really serious that I want to talk to you about. And in that moment, I'm not like Jesus. No, no, I'm not like Jesus. I'm like the disciples. I'm like, can you, can you go figure out for yourself your own issues? You know, can you do it by yourself? And so you could either look at this as, this is, it kind of sort of seems insensitive that Jesus would say, you do it. You give them something to eat. But I think what Jesus is really trying to show his disciples and trying to show us as his disciples is a real, real, real strong spiritual truth about what it means to minister to others and really to serve others in his kingdom. You know, when we look at the story, um, you know, you might just look at it generally like this is about Jesus bringing provision for the crowd. But in many ways, this is really about Jesus and how he works through his disciples, which is all of us, to minister to this world, which is like sheep without a shepherd. If you look at it, this is exactly, this is exactly how we should feel as the people of God as we look at this city of Singapore, right? As you look at the city, we see so many people around us. You look at your workplaces, you look at your, your neighborhoods, and you see, oh man, so many temples, so many 
so many people who are so successful but don't care about God, don't, are not even thinking about eternity. We look at all these people who are lost and it's sort of like, what can I do for them? How can I do? And the best that I can do, God, often is just attend church service, maybe invite some people to like a church service or a church event. But sometimes I, I feel what Jesus is reminding us is our call is great, far higher than that. That we, He says we are his body, that we are his hands and his feet. And so his calling to us is actually for us to be the ones to go out and do the work of ministry, to look at those who are hungry. And Jesus says to us, you feed them. It's not that Jesus is going to come down in his corporal form. We are the corporal, the incarnate, the form of Christ here in this place that is facing the countless crowd that is in need. And the natural response for us should be, God, I don't have time. God, I don't have energy. God, I have my kids and I have my own job and I have my own quotas to meet and I have my own things to do and I have my own schedules. I don't have time for all this. I don't have time to minister to people on my day off. And this is where we're reminded, you know, this is where the, the disciples sort of missed it. And I think we sometimes miss it. That we're still so often in our ministry and the way that we think about our faith, we draw on our own strength. We look at the resources that I have and this is what, this is the extent of what I can give God. However much money, however much time, I look at my schedule and however many free time hours, this is how much I'm willing to give, I'm able to give. And I think it's a very simple lesson, but it's, it's, it's a very profound one that what does it look like when instead of me looking at what I have and saying, well, this is how much I can give Jesus. Instead, we say, well, Jesus, everything, whatever small thing I have, I'll give it to you. And asking him, what will you do with it? How will you multiply it? God, I only have an hour of time, it seems like. How will you multiply it? God, here are my limited resources. Here's whatever, however many loaves I have, however, however many fish I have. And this is where Jesus is reminding his disciples, when you went out to heal, when you went out to proclaim the word, was that out of your own strength or was that out of my strength? And this is the same thing that he reminds us of this, this morning, that as we go out into the world, we're facing the crowd. You're, you're, we're walking, all of us, into this very same situation where there's a crowd that is hungry and the voice of God is speaking to us and saying, you feed them. They're hungry. They will be fed and they can be fed. If only that we would feed them. But he reminds us, but we don't do this out of our own strength. We don't do this out of our own power. You know, even as, uh, as a parent, I know this as well. There are many days I just look at even my own children. Just, I just have two little children that are so small. And then I feel like I have nothing to give you. I have nothing left to give you. Even with this relationship, where they keep asking more, more, give me more time, give me more energy. And I have nothing left to feed them with. Even for these, not just on a macro scale, but even on this micro scale, it is an invitation by Jesus to say, come to me. Come to me first. Offer me what you have. Jesus takes whatever little there is and he blesses it. He prays for it. And then it's able to do far more, accomplish far more. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Um, it says in verse 40, so they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. 
And so here's a huge crowd and he divides them by hundreds and by fifties. Um, you know, what is Jesus doing? He is dividing up a large horde into meaningful pockets of community. A different way of saying that is he's building churches. And I think this is a picture of what church really is. It's the crowd that is divided into meaningful pockets. And to think that how many, you know, in order for that, Jesus needs individual disciples to lead each and every one of those. And so, you know, I even want to challenge us. You know, I, I have a challenge for even all of us here. I mean, not that all of us will be, but we underestimate sometimes how many of us that God might be even calling to lead communities, whatever size that, that may be, meaningful communities. Because this whole city, you know, in order to reach the entire city, how many, how many SPs would you need just in terms of pure numbers? Anybody really good at math? To think of the number of people in SP and the divided by, or the number of people in Singapore divided by the number of SP. And that's how many churches you would need. Quite a big number, right? And so, so often we underestimate how much does God want to use me for it? No, God, you just want me to be a good member of church. But actually, just based on numbers, God needs hundreds of thousands of pastors and ministers, those who will be willing to really go out and take responsibility for the hungry, to operate in the strength of His power to feed the crowd. But without thinking too big, I think it's a good to just think about today. Jesus, who are the crowd today? Who are those that are hungry today? And to think about however, whatever my heart may be, man, I think I only have this much God today. But for us to just offer it up to the Lord, just to say, whatever little I have, God, I just want to give it to you this morning. So often we just approach life out of our flesh. We just, okay, this is what I have. And we, we appropriate our time and our resources out of, the, out of our logic or out of our thoughts instead of really offering it to the Lord and saying, okay, having faith to say, whatever little I have, God, you will be more than able to fulfill and satisfy, even to the overflow we see of those that are around me. Can we do that this morning? You know, many of us, I think, are, are folks that, that know our schedules. We know who we're going to meet today. We know the things that we have to do. But I also think we, we know, or maybe we didn't recognize it before, but now is a good time to recognize that there are hungry that we will face today. You know, this morning, even just as, I, just as I read this passage and I speak to all of you, my brothers and sisters, you know, my prayer is this morning that you would not underestimate the incredible calling that God has for you. That you are not just a member of a crowd, you are not just a, a congregate member, you're not just the quote-unquote ordinary Christian, but you are the elect, the chosen ones of God. You are the ones that have been chosen, selected by Jesus himself to follow him, to be those who will minister to the shepherdless. Hmm. 
And for those of us who would say yes and amen to the calling of God in our lives, we also say to God, what I have is far too little, but in your hands we have faith that you can do much with it, God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring conviction for some of us if we have been operating out of our flesh, growing more and more weary, just operating of our own strength, that right now that we would once again come and find our rest in you, knowing that it is not out of our own strength, out of our own abilities, but it is out of the power of your Spirit. Let's just spend this time with God this morning. Come and speak to us, Holy Spirit.